The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. This is Nicole Mendoza with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. And I have exciting news to share. You are called to discipleship. And yes, I mean anyone who is eager to learn and grow through the Word and is hungry for the things of God, because those who are hungry for God to move will operate in power here on earth. God is no respecter of persons. He's used people as old as time, like Methuselah, who is nearly ten times as old as anyone we have alive today. And he's used King Josiah, who ascended to the throne at the tender age of eight. So don't count yourself out, and don't leave all the work of the kingdom solely to pastors, evangelists, and missionaries. If you are mature in Christ, we could use ten more Billy Grahams, twenty more Reinhard Bonkies, and endless more like Smith Wigglesworth, who wasn't afraid to knock the devil right out. As Paul says in Hebrews 5.12, You have been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others, not needing milk like infants who are not acquainted with a teaching about righteousness. No, let us graduate to bigger and better things. Each one of us has a unique role to play, and each one of us is essential for this great move of God. Remember that. You are essential. So listen for God's voice, because the Holy Spirit is everywhere calling out to anyone who will seek out wisdom. Around the end of October, we held a two-day prophetic conference and business school at Freedom Fellowship Church. We've held these many times before, but this time it was a little bit different. We didn't just go over what prophecy is and isn't, or come expecting to receive a personal prophecy from the pulpit. This time it wasn't personal, it was national, even global, because what God is doing through His people in this time will make an impact on nations. That's the time we're in. As Pastor Chris shared with us, let your light shine upon all men and you will see a change in your country. Continue to praise God and trust Him. And this is the big takeaway we discussed during the conference. And it is that the purpose of God shall stand. That means the scripture in Isaiah 55:11, His word will not return void, but it will accomplish what He has purposed it to accomplish, is right at the forefront of this season. God has said in a prophecy to the nations delivered by Pastor Chris on August 29, 2021, that we would see the rising and falling of kingdoms all over the world, and there would be major upheavals. It would be a season of harvest of both good and bad, and these would all be happening simultaneously together with the great move of God that's never been recorded in the history of the church. So our instruction is to move forward and to not look back, This is the season of harvest that allowed the tares to grow with the wheat, and that is a reference to a parable in Matthew 13. Now it's easy to visualize that and the issue of weeds affecting the quality of crops. It could ruin the business of somebody working in an agricultural society if an enemy were to sow weeds among their crops in the middle of the night. After all, by the time the tares and wheat have sprouted to the point where it can be determined which is which, their roots may have grown together and possibly intertwined which means that by trying to uproot one, you could accidentally uproot the other. So it was wise for that farmer in the parable to allow the wheat and weeds to grow side by side into maturity until everything could be harvested together. 
This is similar to the prophecy we received a few years ago about the deep root of wickedness growing within Washington, D.C. and all over the world. It has been entangled in so many parts of our society, and truly it has to be God's own hand that uproots it. But we do have a part to play in all of that. As you may know, there was a prophecy released in 2020 regarding the United States leading the globe in righteousness. The first outcome described in that prophecy could have happened that year, and God said to us, If my people will focus on me and obey me and not resort to hatred, anger, or political arguments concerning the political situation and this country, I will intervene in this presidential election. Of course, that has already passed. The second outcome is happening right now in 2022. If we repent, obey Him, focus on Him, and make the necessary corrections, then God will move in the midterm elections. The third outcome from that prophecy is waiting four or more years for the country to turn around concerning the political climate. So what we'll see soon will be the results of the body of Christ's actions in this time and the seeds we've sown in the past few years. The condition of our nation is ultimately a reflection of the condition of the church. So church, we have to ask ourselves, where do we stand and what must we do to advance the kingdom of God? Our best answer to that, let's ask the Holy Spirit, because it is God who makes known the end from the beginning. In Amos 3.7, it says that the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So as followers of Christ, we have the upper hand knowing what may be coming down the pike. However, when it comes to judgment and bad reports, we have to avoid the temptation to repeat bad news or even rejoice in the judgment of our enemies or perceived enemies. When it comes to judgment, God is looking for someone with a heart to intercede or to also pray if it's possible for those being judged to be saved. There is someone in the Bible who knew this so well and yet failed so miserably in the way he handled the delivery of judgment on behalf of the Lord. In Jonah 1 verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Instead of obeying, Jonah attempts to flee the presence of the Lord. After boarding a ship to Tarshish and then being cast into the sea to reverse the calamity he brought upon those on board, Jonah was swallowed up by a great fish and then spit out onto dry land to resume the task the Lord had given him. Jonah obeys reluctantly, and despite his disdain for the task he was given, the city of Nineveh responds greatly. They repent and turn from their wicked ways. So the Lord relented from the disaster he had threatened to bring. And this is what Jonah had to say to the Lord in response to that. Jonah 4.2 O oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I was so quick to flee toward Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in loving devotion, one who relents from sending disaster. And Jonah is angry as he leaves the city. He makes a shelter and sits in the shade to watch what would happen to Nineveh. So the Lord appoints a vine to provide shade over Jonah's head to ease his discomfort. But the next day, God then appoints a worm to attack the plant so it withers. And Jonah is angry again. But the Lord tells him, You cared about the plant which you neither tended nor made grow. It sprang up in a night and perished in a night. So should I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well? This is the heart of our God. 
even towards those who have become wicked in his sight. He is always willing to offer people and nations the opportunity to repent. So when major upheavals come and the dealing of the Lord comes, don't rejoice when enemies fall. God is looking for us to change the tide, not to decide who deserves judgment. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples in Matthew 28, 19-20. We are instructed to go baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that He has commanded us. He also tells us, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be His witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's in Acts 1.8. This is a huge statement for that time because keep in mind, there was tremendous relational conflict between the Jews and Samaritans. And I bring this up because again, we should not be like Jonah and it is not up to us to decide who receives and who doesn't get to receive the opportunity for salvation. By comparison, the rift between the Samaritans and Jews may have been even more volatile than Jonah's attitude towards Nineveh. The issue was, Samaritans viewed their place of worship on Mount Gerizim, which is where it had been in the time of Joshua, as the only true place of worship rather than the temple in Jerusalem, and they argued that they were descendants of Joseph through Manasseh and Ephraim. Jews viewed Samaritans as half-pagan, after many within the nation intermarried with Assyrians, who brought their pagan gods to the nation during the captivity of Samaria in 721 BC. The Jews also rejected Samaria's assistance in the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, as described in Ezra 4. So great animosity was between both nations, and neither would have anything to do with the other. However, when Jesus came, he broke down the barriers, and now because of him, Jew and Gentile are reconciled through Christ, as Paul describes in Ephesians 2.13-14, which says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Through word and deed, Jesus chipped away at this dividing wall while teaching the disciples here on earth. He surely shocked them with the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 25-37, when they learned that the Samaritan in the story would turn out to be the moral hero. And of course, Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well broke down barriers for those in Samaria when she shared her testimony. It says in John 4, 39-42, that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, meaning Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Those words were like food to Jesus' spirit. He describes it here in verse 27. When the disciples returned, they were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? 
but I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. This is the great joy of making disciples of all nations. If you've experienced that, or you know the feeling that you get when you've completed an assignment God has given you, you can attest to the fact that the experience is as satisfying as a good meal. Pastor Chris has shared with us many times this saying, Judge each day not by the harvest, but by the seeds that you have sown. And that has stuck with her for a long time, and I think it will stick with me as well. In Acts 8-4, we see that the seeds Jesus has sown among his disciples has begun producing good fruit. The scripture says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. Impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And down to verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They simply had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. God teaches us that when we make disciples and not just converts, we lead them to baptism, which symbolizes a death and resurrection mirrored after Christ who took our sins on the cross. We see here that Peter and John saw great importance in traveling to Samaria as well, to not only baptize with water, but also with fire, which was the Holy Spirit that Jesus had sent through the Father as he promised in Luke 24, 49. As soon as they were clothed with power from on high, During Pentecost, when tongues of fire rested on them, that's when the power of Christ, which brings peace, restoration, reconciliation, and healing, begins to spread throughout the nations like wildfire. As I mentioned earlier, those who are hungry for God to move will operate in power here on earth. So again, training and discipleship is so important in this season. During the prophetic conference, we learned that the role of prophets today are different from the prophets of old in some ways. The function has changed, but the requirements are still very much the same. In the days of old, people went to the prophets to hear from the Lord. During those times, the Spirit of the Lord was not poured out on all, only few, which is why it was such a terrible thing for Jonah to try to run away instead of sharing God's message for the people of Nineveh. God uses his prophets to carry out messages and even anoint kings. They're called to the highest standard and to the utmost obedience to God because the purpose of prophecy is to exhort, to edify, and to correct the body of Christ. And it is the responsibility of prophets to proclaim the word of the Lord so that people might be saved. This is still the same to this very day because God and his purposes do not change. And as it's been declared for this season especially, the purpose of God shall stand. So now as far as sharing the message of the Lord goes as it relates to discipleship, it won't necessarily be about what we preach or what we say that is important. The real deal, rather, And our big focus will be whether we glorify God and benefit his people rather than ourselves first, which will come down to the motivations of our hearts. We must keep in mind that all prophets need to point to Jesus Christ, not to themselves and not to the ministry. 
Every prophecy given has to line up with the Word of God, and also godly conduct and obedience must be there. So we need the Spirit poured out upon all of us, as it says in Joel 2.28. I, and this is God speaking in this verse, will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the spirit of wisdom, and He will be and is our teacher, friend, helper, and advocate, who will abide with us forever. So let us make disciples. It will be as spectacular as watching a city turn to righteousness, because that's where our obedience to that commission goes beyond evangelism. At that point, we're teaching people how to do things God's way, and that's something that can take time. And right now, time is of the essence. So the question to us all is, are we ready to take on this responsibility? Because God is looking at his leaders and he'll want to know what was done for his people. And did we teach the church to mature? Whatever our views on what success looks like, whether within the church or within the marketplace, it'll pale in comparison to what God can do through us. When we step into discipleship, it won't be about ourselves or the ministry. Our focus will always be Christ, and our hearts should always be as intercessors. So let's take a good look at ourselves and at the church. Are we as Christians being a blessing to mankind? God's purpose in bringing us to a place of greatness is so that His glory may be known and that others may benefit, though we'll benefit from it as well. So because that greatness we achieve will be none of us and all of Him, we cannot let the role we play give us a big head. At the same time, we cannot let the greatness of the task at hand dissuade us or intimidate us when it comes to being a part of God's move. If we have the right heart, God can and will use us. Just as the Lord reached out to Jeremiah who thought he was too young for the call God was giving him, God is now reaching out to us. In Jeremiah 1.7, the Lord responds to Jeremiah's concern saying, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reaches out his hand and touches Jeremiah's mouth and says to him, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God raises us up in the spirit and reassures us with his words, he does not make mistakes. So know that whomever God appoints, he is also qualified, even though we may be unqualified in our own eyes. Just God saying that we are makes it true. Jesus also says in Luke 8.10 that the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. When we are in line with the Holy Spirit, our own spirit is opened up to wisdom so that we can understand and discern things in the Spirit. And when we obtain more wisdom, we can sow more seeds, which is the word of God, so that whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whatever is needed within the church, that is the role we need to assume in this move of God. It is our job to prepare God's people for the works of service unto the Lord, to minister to the Lord, and to make disciples. This is what God is wanting for us, to elevate us for His namesake and to reveal to all of mankind that He is a good and loving God. An example of the goodness of God seen through his interaction with one of his prophets is with Isaiah. Isaiah was alive during the time when Assyria was a predominant power and had already captured Samaria and deported Israelites to other lands. Isaiah lived in Jerusalem and God used him to uplift the king of Judah, King Hezekiah, 
and assure him that Jerusalem would be delivered from Assyria's attempted attacks. He tells King Hezekiah's officials in Isaiah 37.6 that the Lord says to not be afraid of what he had heard, which were the words those under the king of Assyria had used to blaspheme God. The Lord said to the king through Isaiah, Listen, when he, the king of Assyria, hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with a sword. Even then, Assyria continues to send intimidating messages their way, saying things like, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. After hearing those things, Isaiah goes straight to God with his concern, and he prays, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these people and their lands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. And God responds in kind, just as he said he would. He made the king of Assyria want to return to his own country. In verse 36, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. There was not a single thing Judah did in its own power to turn Assyria away. It was simply a man of God, a prophet of the Lord, interceding on Judah's behalf, and God did the rest. He is faithful to us, and he is a vigilant protector of his people. So when he calls, be sure to answer, because God has great and mighty things in store. As we see for Isaiah, even the way the Lord commissioned him was supernatural. In Isaiah 6.3, Isaiah sees seraphim calling to one another and saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And he says, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And he cried, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched Isaiah's mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And he said, Here am I, send me. That's the attitude we should all have concerning the commission of the Lord. And this reason following is why God sends us. Because as we've discussed, his heart is to give people and nations the opportunity to turn towards righteousness. In Isaiah's commissioning, God tells him this about the nation he is sending him to in verse 9. Go and tell this people, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. This people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. So may the nations open their eyes, their ears, and their hearts toward the Lord, that they may turn and be healed. And today, when you hear God's voice, as it says in Hebrews 3.15, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. There is a promised land before us, and we have been called to the nations, not just countries, but industries such as the arts and entertainment, 
fashion, technology, education, healthcare, and government. We have exciting news to share with people, and it is one of freedom, reconciliation, healing, the breaking down of walls, and the breaking down of strongholds. So open up your hearts to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and push forward with the instructions you have been given. Have the heart to say, here am I, send me, and have the heart to intercede. We are living in triumphant times and we know that God's purpose shall stand. So let us make disciples of all nations and in everything go with God. For those wishing to sow a seed into the mission field, Pastor Chris will be traveling to the Philippines in January and February of 2023. So we invite you to sow a seed and know that this is good ground. And for all those who will be in San Antonio at the end of the year and are looking to celebrate the brand new year with the Lord, we'll be holding a prophetic gathering of the saints on December 31st from dinner time until the new year. So make sure to check our website for details and we hope to see you there. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and God bless. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I.org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this podcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023.